0: everyone, and welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host, Lei Xing, a well-rested Lei Xing, and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the global EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discussed today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. For those that are new to the show, welcome. And to our loyal listeners, welcome back. We ask that you please help us get the word out about this podcast to other enthusiasts, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Lee. I am the Managing Director at Sino Auto Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which, of course, I encourage you all to do. Lay a chilled-out lay. can you please introduce yourself?
1: Hey, good morning. Back in the East Coast. Good morning, <laughs> this is your co-host Li Xing, former chief ed- editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number 150. First of all, <laughs> go Lions. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting I'm rooting for Detroit uh, simply because there's, there's, there's not much gone right, <laughs> maybe except the Lions. <laughs> and I'm talking about the auto industry, <laughs> EVs. So I'm, I'm rooting for the Lions. Coach
0: Dan Campbell, <laughs> Motor City Dan Campbell makes it really hard yeah. not to root for them. He seems like a really good guy.
1: Yeah. Especially after, I mean, my first NFL game was watching the Lions with you. So, um, <laughs> uh, that's but, right.
0: That's right. I, yeah.
1: So, so that makes it, you know, price cuts, but I think we should begin with something else. Population Please? cut. Okay. I think that's a more, pressing problem or, or issue for China, not only because of the, the society, the economy, but the future implications for the auto market. And this is, uh, I mean, we've, we've heard, we've seen the numbers, it's, it's pretty uh, dire, I want to use that word, because it's, for the sec- I think for the second consecutive year, the, the year-end population dropped and last year dropped by about 2 million. And, and this is going to continue for the years to come. I mean, we, we should talk a little bit about this implications on the, on the uh, auto market.
0: 2 million people does not sound like a lot, but let's point to South Korea. Let's point to Japan, who also have very, very low birth rates in their countries. And they also do not have a very large immigrant population. And one of the best features, and you're actually talking to two people who are a product of that, is the immigrant history and culture of the United States. Yeah. And one of the major differences between the US and a lot of other countries' mature markets is that immigration has really, really helped Build the United States into a superpower. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, right or left. I'm an immigrant. You know, uh, you are, or your parents are. My my father, my parents, yeah. exactly. So I'm. You're so you're technically first generation. Yeah, yeah. But you straddle both a bit, and you're proud of your culture. I'm proud of my culture, but that's part of the American culture. Everyone brings a unique set. Yeah. Of yeah. values, and as long as we're tolerant, things are great. Because I love the diversity of my son's school, and I'm sure you enjoy that stuff too, Lay. But sure. I think that's the biggest difference. Because without with a low birth rate and no immigration, you're going to see a shrinking population. And yeah, um, let me add this one last thing, Lay, and then you can take over. My wife is, and I think your 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 wife too is a product of the one-child rule in China.
1: Well, I was so, just going to talk a little bit about it, but go go finish first.
0: Yeah, so that's all I, w- I was going to say. So she doesn't have any siblings. Her cousins, oh. she, she kind of thinks of as siblings, but not in the sense that you and I do, okay?
1: Well, so my wife and I are both the post-70s, so-called. So I am actually the last of people born before the one child policy. Okay. So I have a sister and my wife has a brother, younger brother. So it's a bit different. But as looking at the Wall Street article, that chart and the peak, really the peak population happened in the eighties, so the post eighties. I think eighty six or seven was like twenty five point five million births. And last year was nine million. Just a little bit over nine million. So it's almost a third less. 9
0: million on a base of 1.4 billion people. So it's it's a rounding error.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, I think uh, China has become an aging society. One out of five is over 60 years old, and that's only going to get worse or or more. So going back to the the price cuts, this is almost like a double whammy, right? Because the the price cut is an indication of, I guess, partially demand, Partially the economy, and then in the future you have less people. You know, we can also talk about that lower, supposedly lower unemployment rate that 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 is being questioned. It was but, pub- well, we, the, the yeah, youth
0: yeah. unemployment rate versus the overall unemployment rate are two different stories to tell.
1: Right, right, right. But when you combine all of these factors, I all of a sudden I think I'm I'm less in real estate. Yeah. All the price cuts going on. I'm I'm slightly less optimistic. I think I think China, volume wise, we can expect. You know, we're we're entering a 10 million, NEV a year era. But it's it's this 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 cloud over over uh, market prospects. I'm not too <laughs> optimistic about about crazy growth anymore. Kind of a, you know, that's what I was trying
0: to say. And Lay, I think it's important to highlight that you and I both in our predictions believe that the price war would continue into 2024. So, no surprises from for this for me and, and I don't think any surprise to you either. And we shouldn't really be that surprised that 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 Tesla again initiated it because they don't have any new product. Now, we hear that they're going to bring over the the Cybertruck to China, but and, and it'll get sales, but it's not going to be the savior for them that they want it to be.
1: No, no. But I, I think Lee Auto and Neo were interesting because how quickly they just seemingly announced that their 2024 models are, are being launched in March and they're kind of cleaning out the inventories. So effectively, they're, they're falling below 300,000 MMB for some of the inventory models, which Neo had said that. You know they 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 want to make sure that Neil Brand stays at a certain price level, and that's being thrown out of the way for 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 a little bit.
0: There's so much downward pressure on pricing for everyone, not just the Chinese, not not just China EV Inc. There's so much downward pressure because we've talked about this, but give me thirty seconds to 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 kind of talk about in manufacturing when you're Apple and you have a contract manufacturer you can cut orders because your master goods agreement might be 30 days or 60 days so anything outside of the orders that you had placed the la- for for 30 for the next 30 days you can cancel and not pay any penalty but when you own the factory these are your employees and if you don't have product to st- or if you don't have any demand you're gonna still pay most of these employees for doing nothing, and so it's important to keep these factories running because you're paying for that factory. There's overhead, there's fixed costs, and then there's the the direct the uh, direct costs from from workers. But then not only that, you've ordered all these parts and or you've built all these vehicles, and so you need to bleed inventory. And in a competitive environment. Everyone has extra inventory. So guess what? What what do you what happens at Walmart when you when they have a big sale? They have sales normally because they have extra inventory. So and in order for Walmart to sell that inventory, they'll discount it. And so this is the same concept, except for the automotive sector. An, an extra good on your balance sheet is twenty five, thirty, forty, fifty
1: thousand dollars. So yeah, and 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 more story so a couple of them Beijing Hyundai, their Chongqing plant is being sold for half the the the, the price originally i think it was 1.6 billion RMB versus the 3.6 billion mm-hmm. RMB and the story of this dealer that just closed down and and all their cars were taken away but but these dealers primarily sold i guess um some of these brands that are not doing well like these things are happening and then i'll give you another example of this population cut how it is reflected actually close to me so my daughter's uh, kindergarten which has been around for uh, in Beijing for roughly 20 years they're for the first time they're facing an issue of not enough so people who may be born kids who may be born in the 2020 2021 three-year-olds which are now at the age of going to kindergarten they're facing a shortage and every all these 20 years before, it's been people fighting to get in. So that's something to, you know... <laughs> uh, I read this article, Lei, that yeah. trips
0: into China from foreign countries is down more than 60% from pre-COVID levels. So tourism was also kind of an important industry for, for China because. It was about kind of the the soft power culture and learning more, having foreigners come visit China so that they could get their own idea and and, and see all the positive.
1: Yeah. Wasn't there a statistic that roughly around 80% of pre-pandemic levels? Was it 80 or 60? Was it 80? I think it was like around 80%. Okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe you're right. It was a huge number. It was a
1: huge Yeah. Foreigners in, in, in China. So still not at the you know one hundred percent or back to the pre pandemic uh, levels. Yeah, all of these things are. You feel like it's it's <laughs> it's down, but I think but that is not to I think the fact is still. I think people are when they're in the market for a car. I think NEVs are, are at the top of of their their um, shopping list. I, I would. Yeah, so uh, we
0: shouldn't change that fact, but which is ironic because BMW is refreshing their five series.
1: Yeah, but
0: yeah, I think it's going to be. You know, I just when we were living there, lay there was twenty over twenty years of double digit growth, ten percent plus for twenty consecutive years, and I think uh, Li Qiang he said it was five point two last year, and the fact of the matter is not not we have to take. Uh, the Chinese government at their word when it comes to stuff like that because sure. there's not a ton of visibility in, in the data. But that's a long way away from the 12%, 14% that was happening in the in the 2010s. Well, so, we shouldn't
1: expect that high of a growth anymore. I mean, sure, sure. Uh, when it, but yeah, it's all relative, right? Yeah, but
0: it's going to be really challenging to... Keep the type of momentum that has that we've experienced in the EV space or an EV space over 2021, 2022, 2023, in 2024, at least for the China market, and that's why I think that the media is correct at least to highlight. I think you know trying to create this negative narrative is is not helpful, but the awareness that yes there's a potential for uh, a lot of exports into certain countries is, is, you know, it's
1: important to note. I think 2023 is also representing a turning point where China seems to be, uh, uh, at least on the autos and the NEVs, are really switching from a domestic-led to maybe they want to be a little bit more global, right? Uh, So you're seeing these actions. You're seeing these uh, BYD you mentioned, right? Indonesia, there are six, fifth or sixth plan, planned overseas, I think. Sixth. Yeah, sixth. And more companies announcing that they may be considering exporting out of China is because part of it is because the domestic demand is is, is a weakening. So when you look at the, the total numbers, they're huge. But when you dig in deep, right, the domestic sales, I, I was looking at the... Uh, the Ministry of Public Security registration numbers. Last year was 7.43 million registered in in China. So it's a lot less than the 9.5 million that CAAM published. So part of that went to export. Part of that was in transition, I guess. So, you know, like like these are all the different ways you look at things and, and kind of paint a different picture. It depends on what data you're looking at.
0: Yeah, and also remember, Lay, that that rule is, was was it to double whatever sales is? And that's what capacity you're guessing you're the capacity about? is? Yeah. yeah. So excess capacity is also going to uh, increase the pressure. And more in the immediate term, on the ICE side than the EV side, I think on the EVs, there's a little bit of
1: overcapacity, but it's lumpy. So... Yeah, and also the NEV export numbers, that they're, they're, they're huge, 1.2 million, whatever is reported. But these are not, these are exported. These are not actually registered yeah. vehicles in the um, overseas markets. Uh, and we haven't seen significant inroads in terms of these vehicles being registered. They're in a lot of different countries, but the volumes are still relatively small.
0: So China EV Inc. is going to run into perhaps some protectionism, but there are practical reasons why, why uh, Chinese brands, EV brands, might not get the take rates or demand that they're looking for from these foreign markets. Because charging infrastructure, You, you know, if charging infrastructure isn't there, people aren't going to want to buy electric vehicles. We're seeing that in the United States, Europe to a lesser extent, and that's going to take time, two, three years to kind of build out this charging infrastructure to kind of make it more customer friendly. And so, and, and then, you know, for the U.S., I'm in the middle of winter. We, some people in, in my other neighborhood, next next neighborhood, lost their power. And so. Same here. We, I, I lost power a few times. Still. Yeah. And then.
1: <laughs> this is America.
0: <laughs> we talked about this before uh, we jumped on. People, there are articles about Chicagoans that are Tesla owners that can't charge their vehicles and or range is decreased by half now we're talking extreme weather -10 minus -20 minus degrees but that's a real challenge for a lot of people that live in the midwest and in yeah. the east where you are lay so you know and these are new experiences for folks that are in countries that are really just beginning to to, to to ramp EV adoption. So there's practical challenges for China EV Inc. to to be selling into some of these markets as well. And uh well that's
1: why for the US, I mean California is is, is the entry place most likely. Yeah. For for, you know, because of the weather, because of the the, the policies and, and regulations. And right, we heard about, you know, uh uh this this um it looks like Trump is in the lead, and when he, if it he does, you know, gets a, elected, is is that a second term? No, it, it wouldn't be called a second term. Um, I think it would. I mean, I all, it would. It, okay, second. I, I mean, all these policies in place probably gonna get tweaked. Uh,
0: <laughs> if not, so yeah, if not, yeah. abandoned you know, altogether. Yeah, It's the extreme. But I mean, that to me that. That ship has set sail, but I think that a lot of companies are holding off on investment and determining their final strategy on market entry for the United States until after the election so that they can create a relationship with the new administration or reinforce uh, the current relationship or the, the relationship with the current administration because, yeah, that's that's the biggest unknown, at least for the United States. But man, the the one thing that I wanted to let everyone know is you and I kind of just jumped into this price war. So Tesla cut prices uh, 6 and 11% on the three and then the Y, and Li Auto followed suit and then Neo followed suit. So just want to give you all a background on the, the three well-known players that have cut price just in the last two weeks. Yeah, In China, in China.
1: Yeah, I mean, we auto, I mean, they're, they're looking at 800,000 units. <laughs> and I already predict, predicted, made a prediction that they're going to pass ABB and I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> 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 but I think they will try every which way they can uh, to they have the L6 coming out and then a few Vs. So that
0: <laughs> L6 is going to drive, should drive sales, number one. Number two, yeah. unfortunately, they had to push out uh, the max which i think they were looking at to the try mega? To, yeah the mega sorry uh, the mega yeah they were trying to generate some volume from that as well which if you're losing three months actually i take that back because let's say that february is not much of a sales month because of chinese new year so maybe it doesn't hurt them as much as they think as i think
1: yeah the way with which they're refreshing i like guess we talked about this is is it's crazy because we just feel like for Neil they just completed their what two platform like just a few months ago, and now they're launching twenty twenty four versions.
0: Yeah, I don't know. And then
1: and then and then so looking further ahead, Beijing Auto Show time, we're probably going to see right Xpeng's Mona. Yep, Neo. I don't know whether they're, now it's the Alps. There's still more brands, and Xiaomi is still contemplating what. Well, how much are they going to price that Su 7?
0: Oh, Lei Jun is <laughs> probably pulling his hair out, thinking that yeah. going into the announcement, he was thinking probably premium pricing, but now he, he will not sell that thing at the price he wants to or he wanted to prior to unveiling it a couple of weeks ago. So,
1: yeah.
0: <sighs> so, BYD, who does this, Lei, launches three vehicles in Indonesia at one time normally when a company enters a foreign market they might launch one car right but we should we should note that for those that aren't familiar with southeast asia you know what 5 600 700 million people in southeast asia and uh, indonesia being the largest country with around 275 million people so almost as big as, as in the united states vietnam's about 100 million like 95 philippines about 95 Thailand a little bit less than that. So these countries are are massive, and so for for BYD to enter them, number one is a huge opportunity because they're these countries are also dominated by the Japanese automakers. The a, a few of them have manufacturing in Thailand, Vietnam. So being in India or Indonesia is is very important. Being early is also very important, and. Uh, byD is doing both and they plan
1: on using Indonesia as a manufacturing hub so and that's what their second in Southeast Asia Asia they have one in Thailand I believe planned or yeah that
0: launched already
1: correct yeah right so think about that
0: and then they ship kits out
1: of India or ships
0: kits into India sorry
1: yeah so speaking of shipping so we saw the boats right by uh byD and also SAic also had their Boat, mm-hmm. <laughs> 7,000 capacity. Um, I haven't read, followed uh, on the Red Sea uh, situation because that's disrupting, I guess, uh, logistics, yep. component supply, shipping. Um, so that's another factor in this kind of the export environment. I wrote
0: in my newsletter, lay that that seems to be a, a bit of a smokescreen a little bit because okay. Volvo and Tesla said that they're going to be shutting down manufacturing in their European operations Berlin Berlin Giga but for Volvo I think it's in Sweden Sweden yeah but uh, they're saying that the supply chain disruptions caused by the Pirates is forcing them to shut down but you know this is the week after Tesla cut prices in Europe so which one is it we see a little bit of both probably
1: yeah and then seeing uh, I just saw some tweets from a benchmark uh, that that how low the the lithium now is falling to, yeah, and that's and then while you have other issues, so the chip shortage is probably behind us in the real real mirror, and now you have these logistics, while demand is a problem, economy is a problem in china, uh lithium prices is falling, right these are all so many factors that play on, on on the you know
0: <laughs> yeah the the Chinese economy is a real challenge i think it's something to watch for it's going to really let's say force the chinese government to kind of reconcile certain strategies that they have diplomatic strategies manufacturing strategies exporting strategies so and i don't see the chinese economy like recovering like instantly like it's going to take time and yeah. the the just like the united states the china has structural issues that it takes a lot of effort, a lot of consensus to make changes to and uh, and I'll
1: imagine that that this price war eventually will push out if not already you know the ones that can play this price war if they don't have the the ammo i guess you know profitability then you 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 lose at the end of the day you, or um, a sugar daddy. He, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because in the West, what we're seeing is the the vinfast, uh, some of these companies, not so much Lucid, not so much Rivian, but some of these other companies, Fisker, not able to really realize their their product strategy, their manufacturing strategy because they're low on cash.
1: So and, and there's product issues, especially Fisker, right?
0: Yeah. So, but the to me the product issues is is kind of part and parcel with being an EV startup. So I don't look at and I'm oversimplifying this. I'm trying not to, but you put vinfast in with Fisker, having quality issues, reliability issues, and then there's you know there's one person in particular who's super long vinfast, and when everybody else is like, "Yeah, this is trash, but we will we won't go there, but uh yeah, anyways the so so let me ask you, lay. I'm going to I'm gonna switch gears here because I'm a, I'm actually a fan. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm was i was going to go there as well. Lotus Emira. Your thoughts? E- Emeya. Emeya? Is it Emeya? <laughs> There's no EMEA? R? Not the Emira, e- Emeya. I think oh, that's I how it's pronounced. I thought there was an R. <laughs> no, E-M-E-Y-A, I think. Oh, okay, because my, <laughs>
0: eyes, my eyes suck then. I tweeted that because it's starting at 92 grand, so... I tweeted that the 5 Series, the 6, the A6, and the uh, E Class needs to freaking worry. So,
1: <laughs> it's not cheap. Uh, still, I think there's, it is not cheap. I don't know. In that EV price range, is what the Hi Fi is in that range, I believe, and then the Yang Wangs. Come on. I, we, we, can, we, can, we can talk like Hi Fi is
0: actually going to compete, but I don't even know if they're going to be shipping many cars the first half of this
1: year. So, but I mean it may I mean lotus that's 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 their positioning uh, i I don't think they can I mean that just below the 1 million MMB or the 150 thousand
0: dollars so there's one friend of the show that is on I won't put him on the spot but I wonder if the Panamera folks are getting nervous because. <laughs> Yeah. let me um, let me let me say this statistic real quickly and i'll get your reaction porsche posted global sales 330,000 plus 3 globally driven by europe and the united states but the number that people should be focused on is the minus 15 in china because for the longest time i think last several years the chinese market has been the largest for porsche so think of it like uh what happened with gm how China was the largest market until last year, and then the United States took back over. So these are really, really should be very concerning, not only because of the competition that is coming into the market, but because of the overall uh, health of the
1: Chinese economy. Yeah, that in fact is what they pointed out in the press release that due to what challenging economic conditions, but what exactly does that mean? Does that mean demand, there were demand problems. Or, was it, like, or uh, was it allocation problems or something else, right? We we don't know until we see maybe when they announce the annual numbers financially and see whether I think last year they, they were at 18% return on return on sales. I mean if if I mean if China doesn't do well but they're financially they're even more healthy. I don't know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe we see this year whether last year was an anomaly or, or it was start of a downturn. We don't know.
0: Do you see the Imaya being a direct competitor to the Panamera?
1: Uh, I I don't know the exact or the Taycan. S- could be. I think. Yeah, I'd rather say it's it's probably to a Taycan more so than, than a Panamera because it's a EV similarly priced positioned EV.
0: But you could see Panamera buyers. Also looking at the Amaya,
1: correct? It's a smaller, it's a smaller sedan. It's a smaller sedan. Yeah, from a brand point of view, reputation or I think Lotus still has some ways to catch up to Porsche yeah. in China. I'll just say that.
0: Well, Lotus is just not that well known in yeah. China. Gili is doing their darndest to change that, but they also have to give breathing room to Volvo and Polestar. Yeah. Or so
1: too Simple? You, you mentioned Too Simple and <laughs> delisting.
0: So, yeah. So, Too Simple is an autonomous trucking company, very promising. IPO'd in the US in 2021. Was
1: it late? One, yeah. Yeah. I think March or something. Yeah.
0: Friend of, of well, I'll just say someone that, that I knew <laughs> became the CEO and uh, very successful IPO. And, Peeling the layers of the onion back, there were issues between the U.S. operations and China operations. And as part of the IPO, they had agreed with the U.S. government to separate businesses. And then we come to find out that there was potentially some IP sharing that shouldn't have happened, cross-border IP sharing that shouldn't have happened. And so um, huge scandals. Share price went down to like a buck. And they were as high as a 30 40 billion dollar no was it 12 14 billion Their highest
1: valuation was like 12 billion yeah
0: 12 billion sorry
1: 12 billion dollars now they're what $60, $70, 50, million. 70 million 60 dollars 30 cents a share right? which
0: is weirdly like, because they have 90 million dollars in the bank yeah so there's there it's a fire sale right now too so you could go buy a too simple truck I think they're they're auctioning those capital equipment off, and they're going to close up shop in the United States. And I think, I don't know, have you heard, is Chen Wu still the head of Too Simple in China?
1: I am not sure, which is, yeah. there's a lot of, like, this. who is this company? I think that question is, is it a Chinese company? Is it a US company? All of these questions, which made this a uh, uh, interesting case study, because for a while, I think Two Simples was one of the top, most promising autonomous trucking companies uh anywhere in the U.S., in China, in terms of commercializing. And now that basically we have, the only one we have now is Aurora, and they're not going to come out until 2027. And Kodiak. Well, yeah, Kodiak. But, and the I think the way uh, the saga, I think, involves so many things, right? um strategy uh, uh disputes uh, internal strife China US politics there's going to be a story a, a, bo- a book or a movie about this and how 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 Xiaodi was pushed out and and his from his point of view you're just um, talking
0: about the corporate stuff there's FBI yeah, involved but there's SEC involved so y-
1: yeah and, and SEC and then uh what what the other one uh, the FBI right yeah <laughs> I think that's ongoing. I don't think that's closed. And I think overall, if we look at the US autonomous vehicle space, maybe except Waymo, there hasn't been much positive
0: development. Too simple marketed itself really well. They when they went IPO, just before they went IPO, they hired like ten white guys and they were dominating all the marketing. Their pictures, their titles, their experience was all dominating the the marketing material for Two Simple's IPO, and uh, and they actually downplayed uh, Xiao Di Ho. I think Chen, uh, you know, I think Cheng Cheng Lu yeah. was being interviewed, but I think mostly focused on these old white guys that were supposed to be managing the operations for for the U.S. So,
1: so the way Two Simple started was um, Xiao Di was the tech prodigy and Chen Mo was a um, serial entrepreneur. Yeah, So I think that was like the perfect combination at the beginning. I think it was 2015. And 2015 is right around the time when a lot of these startups, right? The the NEOs, the Xpons, and the AV startups started happening. And less than 10 years later, kaput, right? Uh, <laughs> gone, kind of. But you know, there's
0: there's billions of dollars involved. So... There's a the money grab.
1: The fact that Too Simple got uh, investment, I think, like right before the pandemic, I think 2019, 2020, was the time when actually the AV industry was was kind of in a gloom, right? that, that It wasn't that much investment at that time. Following 2016, 17.
0: I actually wrote in the newsletter that they just made the IPO window before it closed, yeah, because the Chinese government closed it for DD. They closed it for all these companies,
1: and so and then there was like Sina. Sina was involved, uh, was like <laughs> and um, Hi Hydron, Hydron, that,
0: the trucking company now that Jim yeah. Wu is also the founder of. So, yeah.
1: so man, this should be a lesson for all of these. It should be forewarning. I I completely agree. Completely, China agree. forty companies that some of them are looking to IPO. In the current process of IPO, right? You know our friends that we ride,
0: they seem to be keeping their nose clean, <laughs> and they're likely going to be IPOing later this year in the U.S. So, will there be an appetite? I don't know, but I'm sure I'm sure there will be. Sorry, but the other companies that we should be looking at is is the Geely, Geely companies as well, Lotus and and Smart Zeker. Seeker. So, is there going to be an appetite for those companies? We shall see. But we also know that I believe Zika was supposed to be IPOing next month, but they've decided to hold off a little bit longer. So now they've made a point to show their brand in the United States. And oh, big time! That's one of the reasons. So
1: in New York at CES, so
0: Lay. So what what did you think about my? Did you, I don't know if you saw my, my newsletter, but I said, um, I highlighted... Yeah,
1: I, I, I skimmed through it. <laughs> saying BIDAR to LIDAR? <laughs> well, it's yes and no. Okay. I think we talked about it in the last episode. You can clearly see that there's two, what, paths happening. There's the GUA where they're trying really to push this, this you know, not LIDAR, but still advanced uh, ADAS. Sure. And, and at the same time, I think LIDARs are still getting onto vehicles, right? The Robo- RoboSense, there are two of them on the EMEA. But what I'm really looking... So we, I mentioned MONA, right? MONA and also the C10 are some of the vehicles priced below 200,000 thousand M B that will have LIDARs. Yep. That's the commoditizing part of it, which should increase in volume. So the, I think there's there's both things going on, and, and we don't... At the end of the day... I, I, you know, I don't want to say that that lidar is is done or, or everybody's going to put lidars on, right? It's 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 both are happening.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's done, but I think I see a path to it being commoditized in a very short period of time by twenty thirty for sure.
1: And and depending on how L three, so uh, quite a few brands got L three testing permits. The belief, or I guess the consensus for L three, is to have lidars. And...
0: This is where we have to take a step back, because at the end of the day, Lay, when we get to L3, at least commercialization of it, how will, and I'm not naming one OEM because all the OEMs are going to have similar challenges, how will they market the L3 ADAS in order to be, in order for you and I to pay $20 $20 a month or whatever, the $15,000 like FSD, how, how will they do that? One way is to create more awareness and emphasize the the benefits of having it. But if it's only for one or two use cases, then it really, really doesn't, You me paying for it doesn't really have a ton of benefit, right? So as they get more licenses, as more use cases are opened up for these pilots, we'll see if the consumer will feel that there's value in being charged a monthly fee in order to have that capability with their vehicle. So,
1: yeah, yeah. But I mean, to me personally, it would be perfect on the rain roads because in the summer when I was there, I drove a lot in traffic on the rain roads and just sitting there and going, you know, stop and go and that's the perfect you <laughs> i know. gotta laugh like because <laughs> you I say love that it. now <laughs> and
0: i agree with you but 10 years ago on those railroads, roads you'd have gotten an accident within yeah. two minutes yeah two minutes yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. nope yeah. for
0: sure you'd have gotten into an accident because third <laughs> ring is just completely fine but like especially if you get out into the like, fifth ring sixth ring in the middle of nowhere I still saw people going reverse on entrance ramps because they went on the wrong you know, exit ramp. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? And so actually, the one thing I also wanted to comment, uh, get your comments on is uh, SAIC had forecasted exports of 1.35 million versus 1.2 in 2022. So do you think they're sandbagging or do you think that they don't feel they should be that aggressive with exports in 2024.
1: Yeah, that sounds pretty conservative. I think that points to some of the sentiment, maybe, of of the prospects of, of what they're uh, expecting.
0: Yeah, and, and remember that there were 4 million vehicles, uh, approximately 4 million vehicles exported last year. Of those, about a third of them, as you had mentioned earlier in the show, were NEVs. And if we say 4 million 1.2 of those came from SAIC, and most of SAICs are ICEs,
1: not not EVs. So, yeah. So it's, it's not a significant growth over last year. Maybe they're sandbagging a little bit. Yeah. So okay. Hey, um,
0: the last thing is, man, I wish I was rich because the average price of a Detroit Lions ticket <sighs> versus Tampa Bay is the is $1,200. So
1: still gr- and it's still growing, right? Still, um, yeah, increasing.
0: Rocking, baby. Hopefully, we show up. We did really well. It was the best game of the weekend last week. But, uh, everyone, uh, thanks for listening again. Enjoy your weekends and watch the Detroit Lions versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Go Lions.
1: Go Lions. I'm falling. Restore
0: the roar. Restore the roar.
1: (laughs) Don't jinx it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Good
0: morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone. Thanks for uh, joining, and we will talk with you next week. Likewise. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lei and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at sinoautoinsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at leixing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-77. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China EVs and more.